Welcome. Welcome, lovely listeners, to a throw-in episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in the studios today is Mason and Sean, as we got another lesson in the MLS Roster Rules Dojo. Uh, if you're not sure, if you haven't followed along the last uh, couple of episodes that we have done, the last couple of weeks, we've uh, given a spent some time talking about the roster rules, breaking those down into a more conversational tone with feedback, sometimes incredulity uh, at what I was saying. Uh, so we try to break it down, talk it through a little bit. If you actually uh, want to hear all of this in a more short form, straightforward fashion, I do recommend Flyover Footy. They did a uh, Roster Rules 201 episode in which Matt Baker did a wonderful job of breaking this all down into a nice little outline that's quicker to go through. But we're going to talk through these ourselves. Almost every expansion club's podcasters do that for nothing else than to try to learn the rules themselves. And that's what we're doing. And uh, this time in the dojo, this lesson is on player acquisitions. Should seem, you know, fairly straightforward and comprehensible. It's just uh, how do you gain players for your MLS roster? And one would be correct with that thought if put in the context of, you know, say, explaining the rules of cricket uh, to a regular fan of North American sports. Um, I'm attempted here to put the processes in order of those most likely to occur for St. Louis City SC fans during this initial roster build. And uh, one big thing that's upcoming, though not shortly, later on the year, I think the 21st of December, I somehow left that out of my notes, is the Super Draft, the MLS draft process. It's now down to three rounds. Uh, St. Louis City SC will have the first pick. As we go through this, as they are an expansion club, all the remaining clubs will pick in reverse order of the MLS final standings after the playoffs. And uh, all the clubs will get to pick amongst the NCAA college seniors who have exhausted their college eligibility. Also, those Generation Adidas players, as we mentioned earlier, those that have uh, pre-signed an agreement with MLS, uh, the drafting clubs will pick up the salary that MLS itself negotiated, but uh, with special salary cap implications. Generation Adidas players are generally considered to be very much desired, especially for an expansion club. Also included in the draft are non-collegiate internationals that have been made eligible for the draft. And this is what's fascinating about this, and I didn't know. Clubs may nominate players for the MLS draft eligible list, and only those players from that list may be selected. So clubs get to nominate players that be in the draft uh, who they might want to pick amongst, and then the 29 teams, they pull those names together, and the clubs then pick amongst themselves of whoever somebody wants. Yeah, this is, why does it work like, because this, it's, so players don't enter the draft themselves, they are chosen by a club to be put into the draft. 
They're they're chosen for a chance to be chosen by the club that chose them. Yeah, that's what the rules say. I did not know that. That's what the rules state. Isn't that Classic fun? MLS just making <laughs> no sense whatsoever. Of course, you think about the number of players out there. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like this seems like especially like like particularly onerous on scouting teams to try to go and find players that they might want to pick up in the draft that they might not even get a shot at. Uh, actually, I think it's the opposite that um, with having to scout every player, you do get a list of who's going to be involved. So you only have to scout that because MLS teams just don't have large scouting departments to go out. Some teams have barely even, I think, St. Louis City SC only has Alexander Soli uh, as the only listed scout at this point. But then how did you end up on the list in the first place if you're not scouted? <laughs> it just sounds like extra steps to signing free agents that, you know, you'd want to sign away anyway, but now you have to put them in the draft. It, it's just, it, it, it makes it so that instead of every team having to have like 16 scouts, you just, each team has one or two, and then you're collectively scouting for the league. Yeah. I didn't say it made sense. I just said these are the rules. <laughs> it's MLS. It never makes sense. That's just what we expect at this point. And like this was supposed to be the easy one, right? This is the draft. We know how drafts go. And then there's this dropped in the middle of it like a lead weight. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Oh, no. There's uh, also the college protected list. If a player is drafted by a club during the Super Draft but doesn't agree to sign a contract, that player is on the drafting club's college-protected list until December 31st of the year following the draft. That generally works out for just over a year. And that club then has priority rights to signing that player until the end of the following year. If uh, the club does not offer the player a contract after coming in for a trial, the player will have the option themselves to be placed on waivers on the date following the drafting club's first MLS regular season game. So if you draft a college player and they want to play for you, uh, they're kind of beholden to the club, but... You know, there's negotiations going on. The player comes in for a trial. They still can't come to an agreement. The player does have at least the option at this point to say, no, just put me on waivers. First come, first serve. I'm not playing for this team. You know, like John Elway did with the uh, Indianapolis Colts and decided to go play baseball for a year. So he got picked by a different team. But that's only for the old folks out there. So, I'll give everybody a moment to catch up on their notes on this straightforward one. <laughs> it's upcoming. Uh, another way that a team can gain players, and many things, is through trades. There's a lot of things that can be traded in MLS. You can trade players. That one's easy enough. You can trade for general allocation money. You think players, but no, there's a lot of other ways that GAM can be traded back and forth. There's the Super Draft selection position. If Lutz does not like the generation Adidas players that are so crucial to building a roster, he traded off for a buttload of GAM. Uh, 
and then use that gam to get a player he does want if he sees one out there. This one's also easy enough. Draft slots get traded all the time in other leagues. Here's a beautiful one that we just talked about the uh, college protected player list and having priority. You could trade gam for that. <laughs> trade to move up the waiver wire. Yeah, or just to take away the priority of signing that player that a team can't get. You can go ahead and trade instead of going on waivers. Then you have the priority. So so a team that drafts a player out of college that doesn't want to play for that team, they can then trade that player that they don't have signed to another team? Not the player itself but the priority to sign them first before everybody else before they go through the waiver it's, wire and the and the waiver it's trading order. away the rights yeah the rights to sign and and communicate with said player they're trading that the not first player. Right. The sure first but right. essentially you're trading a player you don't have <laughs> right but if if another team thinks they have a good chance at signing said player they can give you money to then say okay we're taking your priority we're taking the rights to talk to this person. This We're is that. This is kind of some like player to be named later kind of stuff. Well, the the, the, the rights eh, to sign considerations. Players, the rights to sign players is in other North American sports. So uh, this is not, you know, common, but it happens. It's most common in like hockey. You see players that go over to play in Europe or in uh, in Russia. And they still have time left on their on their contract in the NHL, and then they come back, and it's like, well, they don't want to play for that team, so they're going to come back when that those rights have been traded to somebody else, so that they can then try to renegotiate said contract. Actually, that particular example plays into something I'll mention just a little bit later. Oh, look at me go being ahead. Yeah, it's no. like it's like I'm getting Lute's brain when we're yeah. talking about roster rules. If they're coming pet. over, if they're Russian and they're coming over. <laughs> Well, you need an international slot. As we well know, St. Louis City, before the expansion draft, bought three of them. Bought three of them. Traded off GAM for that. That's quite common. That happens a lot in MLS, especially with expansion teams. Another thing is allocation rankings. Now, we'll get into that. That's a whole other thing coming up very soon. Uh, discovery priority. This actually does come up, and we'll get into this. Oh, it's fun. Homegrown player priority. I'm not sure what this means, but in uh, a future episode, I'm going to have to go over the homegrown player rules and rights. It used to be the clubs were dependent upon... They, they had a stamp of a certain geographical area, and they had priority over that player. Uh, one that comes to mind is Caden Clark. Grew up in Minnesota. They had the homegrown rights. They didn't have an academy, so they shuffled off a lot of GAM or acquired a lot of GAM to give the homegrown rights to New York Red Bulls. Uh, Reentry draft selection position. Oh, we'll have fun with this a little later. And then waiver selection priority. As if a player hits a player rule like you have in fantasy football, Whoever's at the certain part of the list, sometimes you have a priority list who has first right of refusal. Yeah, I want this guy. Or no, I don't. You can move up the list if somebody happens to hit waivers that have multiple teams you think want. You can trade off GAM to select them that way. thing about trades is all these sort of trades must be made during the 
either the primary transfer window, which in MLS is the winter, or the secondary transfer window, which is the summer. Or in special windows, like we just saw prior to the expansion draft. This isn't listed in the rules, but is part of the expansion process. Another one, and this does come up, uh, we talked about it earlier, is uh, allocation rankings and the allocation process. Oh, this is fun, but this also includes how you bring in transfers from overseas for good high-dollar players, basically. Don't know how that's going to uh, go with City, but this can be a factor. There's an allocation ranking list. This is a list made by MLS of players of special interest to the league. These can be selected U.S. men's national team members, sometimes selected youth U.S. national team members. And given what's going on with the Canada national team, perhaps it's time to start adding Canadian national team members to this list. But yeah, we'll wait for that to happen. Also, who MLS puts on the list is former MLS players returning to MLS after joining a non-MLS club for a transfer fee at or exceeding a half a million dollars. And a couple of uh, prime examples is, think of Clint Dempsey when he came to the Sounders, or more recently, uh, Matt Miazga being signed by FC Cincinnati. MLS themselves set up this list, and they update this list yearly at the end of the season, but they can add players to the list at any time as circumstances warrant. Uh, If Nicholas Giacchini, I'm not sure if he was on the allocation list for Orlando City or not. Eight caps may, may not have had him on the list. A few more caps, a few more goals, he might have been on this list and subject to this. And with the list comes the allocation order. And wonks of roster rules might know the podcast allocation disorder, which is a takeoff on this. This is a list of which teams have the top priority of these special players. It is set by taking reverse order of club standings at the end of every MLS Cup. But St. Louis City SC as an expansion team will be at the top of the order this year. The order of these teams gets reset at the end of each MLS season. Once a club utilizes this priority and picks a player, it drops to the bottom of the list and rotates up, as you'd imagine. Uh, These allocation order rankings can be traded. Part of the compensation must be that you pick up the other team's rankings. And this happens, it's not uncommon at all in MLS to have these allocation order tradings going on. Almost a lot of transfers include this. This happens quite a bit. And uh, sometimes trading up to get a player requires a bit of gam to, you know, plus take the ranking and hear some gam if you'll let us get to the top of the rankings. And depending upon the player, sometimes it's a lot of gam to move up to get these players signing because you don't want the other team to go no we're at the top of the list he wants to come to mls we're going to sign him sometimes you got to splash the cash to make him say no i do want to ask if if this happens often why have we never had mention of it in any of our transfer reports on this podcast 
Uh, is that something that I just I've just missed in, in and I'm just bad at research or or have we just not seen it in the last year that we've been doing this? Matt Miazga, they traded uh, Gam for Matt Miazga's rights in the allocation order when he came back to MLS for FC Cincinnati in this past season. Perhaps I we didn't, didn't mention it that. or didn't do it, but that he there was a trade involved with the allocation order for that. Uh, that has happened just this year. These things do happen. Uh, okay, so I definitely just missed it. But you got to be a rules wonk to find out about it in the news. It'll be announced, but it doesn't get a lot of play. You got to really be watching these things. Essentially, the allocation order is basically whoever's at the top is has right of first refusal for any of the players on the list. Pretty much, yes. yeah. Uh, if a player wants to come in, they get whiff of what you're doing. You know, smell. They could swoop in and say, no, 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 we, we, we got the option. The other team has to come in and buy that up. Uh, and sometimes that takes a lot of gam to do it if the other team thinks, hey, we can beat you this contract. You but know, it's only it for happens. those specific players on that list, right? Yeah, this is the allocation list. These are special gotcha. players. Uh, so, And these are public uh, you might have to go actually to put in the website, but it's uh, mlssoccer.com slash news slash allocation order, I think is what the list are. And uh, you can you can see who's got the rankings and who's on the list. The, these are public. Might take some digging, but it's available. It's out there, yeah. Another way you can pick up players is homegrown player signings. We've covered this. Young players who can be acquired without going through the Super Draft as long as they've spent a year playing in your club's youth academy. Uh, there's no limit on how many homegrowns can be signed in any given year. And as, as we just saw, uh, homegrown players are automatically exempt from expansion draft. If you saw the list for FC Dallas with so many homegrowns coming out of their uh, academy, that they rely on, on their list was extremely short and that's because they got so many homegrowns they don't have anybody really that eligible that they have to put out uh and that's something uh, to keep in mind with uh what st louis city wants to do with their academy is to become one of those kind of teams another way and this is going to be coming up very very quickly is free agency uh it used to be very hard to become a free agent in MLS, but under the current uh, and new collective bargaining agreement with the uh, MLS Players Association, uh, it's been lessened down to something more reasonable. Players 24, 24 years old or older with five years of MLS service are eligible to be a free agent. Clubs must submit to the league office by noon central on November 16th there's a lot happening on November 16th this year. Uh, they will have to submit their list of players who will or will not have their options exercised. So who they're keeping and who they're letting go. Players not under contract and meet those age and service requirements are free to sign with any club up to the maximum salary budget charge limit of 651000 $250. So um, if you sign a player in free agency, can you sign them to a DP slot for a higher contract where that's their max cap it? Possibly. I think so. But at the same time, why would 
if they were DP quality, I don't see why you would not ex- exercise, exercise your option on them. This says up to the maximum salary budget charge of 651250 DP, that's what their maximum yeah. budget charge is. Ten, max TAM players are that budget charge. Yeah. I guess like right, if right. they're DP quality, maybe, you know, they are out of options and can't renegotiate a contract with the club or something. So Yeah, Aaron Long right. is a free agent. Right. Derek Etienne Jr. Just to that people were you're... talking about is a free agent. Well, because if you run out of option years and you don't sign a new contract with the player, they also enter free agency. Right, right. So I would figure you'd you'd uh exercise the option and then use that year to negotiate with them for a contract because that would mean, you know, you have more time to, unless, of course, you're clearly not going to come to terms on, an, uh, you know, from both sides that works for both of you. That's yeah, why but, uh, St. Louis City SC was never going to pick a free agent, upcoming free agent uh, in the expansion draft because they don't have rights. Then that player is free to negotiate with St. Louis City or anybody else. So you just don't pick them. Mm hmm. Yes, I mentioned Aaron Long and Derek Etienne Jr. Amongst a lot of players that were mooted as somebody people wanted to see picked are free agents. They weren't going to pick them. St. Louis City will have the ability to then sign them, and expansion teams take advantage of this mechanism a lot. And I expect uh, St. Louis City to do it. May not be those big free agents. Could be other free agents for a lot less money. Uh, especially fill in, say, right back and uh, add some depth to central midfield or maybe find somebody they think can be a starter there, places they really need some help at the moment. Yeah, but I mean, like, this isn't anything big. It's free agency. We know how it goes. Right, but I, I, I do want to know, um, I just want to clarify, free agency, you can sign free agents even outside of the normal transfer windows, correct? There is nothing in the rules about a window. Yeah, if they're okay, still on the market, I, I think you can get them anytime. And I believe I mentioned this when we were doing our uh, secondary window closure uh, towards the end of summer, um, where I, I think I mentioned that uh, if there's a free agent signing, that's still allowed. So we might still see some ins and outs, even though that the window itself was closed so that people, you know, with a team that have a contract can't be moved anymore. But players that aren't on contract can be brought in whenever you want, provided you have the slots, money, and salary cap. Yeah, because it's a transfer window. But free agents are out there. Now, it's there a transfer is a, window, not a signing window. There is a roster lock dates, though. Towards the end of the season. That we don't have that have to be hit. We'll get those when they put out the 2023 full roster rules. We don't have those yet. But those rules these are unlikely to change some of the dates salary numbers will change with the collective bargaining i've what i can find i've tried to add in here but uh it's a general rule but uh, we don't have the full 2023 roster rules yet but free agency that's got to be brought up that's very important to an expansion club and uh it could be big big players coming in that way or it could be just the little guys to fill in spots. Like right backs are pretty common. Left backs hard to come by. Right backs are pretty common. I expect them to pick up a free agent with MLS experience to lock down that position at some point. Another way that you can do this, and this is why we follow St. Louis City 2 so much, 
is affiliate priority players. In addition to homegrown players and college-protected players, clubs have priority on up to seven players on their MLS Next Pro Club. Um, to protect other MLS Next Pro players, clubs must put them on their discovery list, which we'll get to shortly. And boy, is that fun! Uh, but you can name seven players on your uh, MLS Next Pro team that you say those are ours. You you can't touch them. We get the first right of refusal to sign them. One would expect Pepeo, Rivas. Juan Cousin, depending upon his status, Schneider, you can go through the names. You know who they are. Backup goalkeepers, things like that. Here's a fun one that makes precious little sense, but comes into play for expansion teams especially. It's the re-entry process. Most notable by the re-entry draft process. There's two stages to the draft. The drafts are done in reverse order of league standings. This is for players who have had a contract option declined and are out of contract. So in other words, they didn't get a bona fide offer. Team doesn't really want them. They're gone. Or they may have declined their contract and want to go through this process with their teams. They must be 22 years old or older, must have at least one year of MLS service, and are not eligible yet for free agency. They can be older than 24, but not have five years of service, for example. Can we define years of service? Because I've heard this term in Major League Baseball contract terms as well, but I still don't understand how do we know when it's considered a year of service? Like, how, how do we know what that means? It's a full season on a senior supplemental roster, right? I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. Uh, there is a. I mean, that's the, Mason. That would be intuitively what I would think. Is you so been on the roster so it's clearly for that wrong. Years, but there. No, no, no. I think you're right. <laughs> but no, but it makes sense. So it can't be true. <laughs> exactly. exactly. MLS, none of this makes sense. <laughs> there is a date that I don't have. That's called the guaranteed contract date. We'll get to that comes up a little later where contracts are then guaranteed. So I'm betting that if you play up to that date, that it could be. I have not found a definition for this. I looked a little bit, got tired. This is too hard to edit. <laughs> so uh, we'll come up with that one. Let's just know this, that those players who are eligible... That list will come out on November 16th. What happened on November 16th? And then at noon central on November 17th is the re-entry draft process. And this is another way for expansion teams to fill out rosters. And now with MLS Next Pro, you may even pick up guys here, put them on the MLS Next Pro contract, get them developed if you don't think they're good enough for the roster, and then put them on your affiliate protected list. So you have the right to sign them and bring them up. Out-of-contract players are those whose clubs did not wish to resign them to a bona fide offer. And there is a definition of a bona fide offer. That new contract is defined as a $15,000 or 10% increase over the previous year's salary. So that's a bona fide offer to an out-of-contract player. 
Is it 15,000 or 10%, whichever is larger or whichever is smaller? That isn't defined in the rules. I'm assuming... It probably has to be one or the other. The largest of those. Yeah, but that's not defined. Knowing MLS and cheap owners... Could be whichever smaller. Yeah, whichever smaller. That's the way I was thinking. But it's not defined in the rules that I found. But as I said, as I went through all these and did all the research, I hadn't quite parsed everything yet on the rules or had gotten an answer to a couple of questions I sent out, had not gotten an answer. Uh, Now, if these players are drafted, they must receive a minimum of a bona fide offer from the club that drafts them. So the the club that drafts them will want to pay them the 15,000 more or the 10% increase than their previous contract. Uh, And I love that this is in the rules. Clubs can't draft their own players in this. (laughs) No, we're not going to give you 15,000 or 10,000. We're going to put you on this list. You're going into it. Oh, wait, we changed our mind. Yeah. No, that's not allowed. In stage one. (laughs) Well, I mean, I mean, I, I, I see this rule being important that that caveat being important because it could be, you know, we offered you 15,000 or 10% more, but you wanted more than that. And so uh, we're going to put you in the draft and then we're going to draft you back. So we have to only pay you that small amount that you thought you were worth more than. Yeah. That's the way I'm thinking of that rule being in there for. Well, that that's a good point. But there is stage two of the reentry process. And the list of these eligible players will be released on November 22nd. And the draft will be made that same day at noon central on November 22nd. These are players not selected in stage one. And in this stage, the drafting club is only required to make a genuine offer to the player, not that bona fide offer. So they just have to, you know, pay him a league minimum salary (laughs) on this. What's the difference between a genuine and bona fide? They mean the same thing in no, common no, no. speak. Uh, it's a genuine offer. In common speak. You don't have to give them an increase over what they're making. You just have to give them an offer. You Could make you even a pay league, them less? A senior, if they're a senior roster, make a senior roster or a minimum uh, you know, supplemental roster, $84,000 or down lower. You can make any one that fits in the rules that we've talked about earlier. And here's the thing I was talking about why you can't pick them in stage one. A club cannot select their own player in stage two until all other clubs have declined signing that player. Then the club that didn't want to give them a raise can then select them back and just give them, you know, back their same contract. And the player might sign it if they've gone through this twice. And nobody wants them. That's your market value. You know what your market value is. Yeah. You better get to work on the training field, son. This is kind of like a player clearing waivers. Yeah. Even though waivers are also here. (laughs) This is just waivers with extra steps. Kind of. Though you go on waivers, that player might not be signed by anybody and you're, you're gone. At least you get two drafts to try to get selected by somebody, uh, on it. Uh, it's, it sounds it sounds like they tried to take waivers and arbitration and put them together and create a chi- a love child between the two and this is what they came up with yes and that's an apt description 
and this is confusing and has been confusing for me for a decade. Now I've read through the rules and I've got some sort of an idea, but I'm still confused. So we'll just move on to another confusing aspect of how a club can find players. And this is the discovery list. And this is something that does come up. Uh, Clubs may scout and sign players not yet under contract to MLS by placing players they are interested in on the discovery list. And they pretty much need to be on your discovery list before you can bring in a transfer. Uh, Club may have up to seven players on the discovery list at any time. They can be removed and added at any time, and these players are not subject to any other process. For example, the super draft, allegation order, free agency, etc. The league will determine whether the club has the necessary intent, means, and ability to sign such a player. So in other words, the Colorado Rapids that don't spend any money and have one DP can't go ahead and put Lionel Messi on their uh, discovery list. Close club will check the league will check into it and go, no, no. Enter Miami, yeah, they have a reasonable chance of signing. The Crocky family in Colorado? No, no, no. They never sign anybody. Yeah. And I'm surprised they they, they went out and got Jossie Zardes. Yeah. <laughs> and we mentioned this in trades. If multiple clubs attempt to add the same player to the discovery list, the first to submit the player gets the higher priority to sign. A club with lower priority may offer the other club $50,000 in GAM to exchange for the priority. If the club with the higher priority then has five days to either pass on the player and accept the GAM money or make a genuine reasonable offer to swoop in and steal the transfer, in other words. And if this is during the summer transfer window when Europe and most of the world is open, it's only three days to make that decision. Uh. Trading for slots on the discovery list to bring in a transfer is common. Uh, you might have to dig down the news. You might hear about it. It might f- never paid attention. These things do happen. Another thing that really applies to St. Louis City SC is affiliate short-term agreements. And this is where a club can sign a player from its MLS Next Pro team a maximum of four times each season to do this. The player must be 25 or younger. The short-term agreements are four-day contracts, basically covering a game. The individual player may be included in up to four match rosters each season, but they can only appear in two matches during the regular season of MLS play. Now, there's no limit to the number of non-league games that any MLS Next Pro player may appear in for a club. And a club can have up... like with cup matches or things coming up, a club can have up to four such players on a roster in any given single MLS match, as long as they are homegrowns or have an MLS Next Pro salary of the MLS Senior Maximum salary of $84,000 or less. And this goes back to something we talked about, heck, nearly a year ago when they started MLS Next Pro, in which there's no salary cap in MLS Next Pro. You can stock people on there if they want to play for you for more than that. It's a way of sucking away talent from USL Championship, so to speak. Uh, Another way you can pick up players, and 
this does happen on occasion, especially during COVID, is extreme hardship call-ups. Club can add players this way if fewer than 16 outfield players or fewer than two goalkeepers available. If uh, you're really hurting for players, you can use in a hardship. And uh, club can sign players on loan up to four-day contracts for MLS league matches. This comes up occasionally. So with um, the the short-term call-ups, so they have to be making less than or at or less than the league minimum of $84,000 on their MLS Next Pro contract? Yes. Okay. So they can't be earning more than league minimum. Uh, Senior roster minimum, not supplemental to league roster. So what the rules are saying in that case is that teams might have players on their MLX Next Pro team that are making more than $84,000 a year. And, and you developing can't put them on like your taxi talent. squad, so to speak. Um, so to speak. So to speak. Or they may want them to play a lot of games rather than put them on the roster and keep them with the MLS club where they're not playing. But they're a talent. They're very young. They signed them to a high contract. They stick them on MLS Next Pro to give them experience. That's where that can come into play. And Sean with uh, Sporting Kansas City knows about this. The seizing ending injury and short-term injury uh, policies. A club can replace an injured player with a new replacement player. There is no relief of the injured player's salary cap hit, but it frees up a roster slot. This can only happen once per season. If the injured player is on the supplemental roster, there's rules for that as well. What's interesting under these rules is a supplemental roster player does not affect your salary cap, but if you bring in somebody to replace them on your roster, then that new player's salary does hit (laughs) the salary cap. (laughs) I guess no game playing with the roster rules here. Looking at you, Andrew Miami. Um, (laughs) Players that are put on this list can't play in any games for the club, MLS or not. Duh. Uh, And there's also rules to replace a player out for six or more games, but not out for the end of the season. Uh, If the season-ending injury list... There are special rules with that as to how early in the season they have to be out. Um, It has to be quite early. You know, like Alan Polito with Sporting Kansas City. Uh, I mean, he was out at the end of the season beforehand. Yeah. He just missed the rest of the season. Exactly. Or the, the, the whole next season. That's pretty much how early. It has to happen before the end of the primary transfer window, which is in the winter. So it's only a handful of games in the MLS season to start where you can utilize that whole season ending injury list. Okay, hang on. Something doesn't make sense here because uh, you've got there is no relief of the injured player salary cap hit. So... Their uh, their cap hit still applies, but then later on here says that the replacement player salary will hit the cap, but the injured players does not. Which one is it? That's for the supplemental roster. Only oh. the senior roster hits the cap. 
supplemental roster does not. If you want to replace that supplemental roster player with another player, then you're going to have to take the salary cap hit for replacing a player that didn't have a salary cap hit. Oh, okay. So no gamemanship. No putting somebody on the supplemental roster. Uh, and then, and then, then saying, them. oh, they're injured for, say, six games of the season. So we're going to bring in this other guy that's worth more and we're going to pay him more. But uh, there's no salary cap here because he's taking a supplemental roster spot. Right. Which that is, doesn't which happen. was the whole looking at you, Miami comment. Mm -hmm. uh, the New England Patriots, it's the kind of thing they would play. Yeah, it's it's some real uh, injury gate type. But that's it. That that's the ways that you can gain a player in MLS, and they're all very easy to understand and simple. Especially like the super draft, which just makes sense, and there's nothing weird about it. There's nothing weird. Just, oh no, not at all. Just wait for the draft to happen and glorify your pick, and don't worry about the mechanisms behind it. So a lot of these are. Don't worry about it. the reentry draft process. It's always been so obscure. Now I know enough about it, and it's even more obscure. <laughs> but at least I know you what's see, going at on. Least, <laughs> at least the front office people, except for you know, except for Inter Miami, at least the front office people know these rules inside and out, so that they know what they can and can't get. And so you know, we can speculate all we want on what players we want to get and get rid of, but uh, they know who they actually can and can't get rid of or get. So that's that's not a that's reassuring. That's not a true assumption. <laughs> yeah. uh, MLS has got better hired GMs that understand these rules inside and out, but not all of them really know. Uh, some GMs have actually worked in the league office before and have a better understanding of these rules than others. As we talked about in last week's episode, the U-22 initiative, I'm not sure that anybody has a full handle on how to work that right. If someone does and can really take advantage of it, there are powerful ways of building a strong roster at a very little salary cap under the U-22. But it's so convoluted, nobody's quite figured out how to do it right. So, that's it for adding players. There are also quite a few rules about ways to remove players from your roster. One. You can just waive them. Put them on waivers. Close may just waive players based on performance at any time during the season. If the player's contract is guaranteed and they clear waivers, well, then the club is on the hook for the salary budget charge and they don't have the player anymore. Uh, there is a date, and I mentioned this earlier, that contracts become guaranteed, but I don't have that date. Maybe that'll be clarified. It probably become clarified if it happens. Let's put it that way. So don't worry about it. There's also transfers and loans, and this is important, and these rules don't come into play all the time. An MLS player may be transferred or loaned out to a non-MLS club at any time, but the receiving club may have their own transfer window that doesn't correlate to MLS. The MLS transfer windows is in all these leagues that's when you can't bring players in is when the window closes, but you can still transfer out if, say, somebody like Spain that's noted for having a late window, you can still transfer them out for a couple of more weeks after the window and your league closes. I love this. This is subject to the consent of the player. 
Only in North American sports does that have to be in the rules. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you for your service, Kurt Flood. And this is leaving out of the league on this. If loaning a player out, uh, if loaning a player out, the roster slot is open, but there is no salary cap relief given unless it's agreed in the loan agreement. I believe that refers to whoever oversees your loaning this player out to decides to take up part of their salary and get salary cap relief, I believe. Uh, the MLS club will receive 95% of the fee unless the player is a homegrown or a U-22 initiative, in which case you get to keep all the money. That's why those slots are so important. And if the player is a DP, the rules get all convoluted. But to boil it down, the club gets to keep all the cash you paid out of pocket for the player because there's discretionary spending involved with the DP. And then anything else uh, up to a mil- 1.1 1. 1 of that cash can be converted to GAM. Because remember, in MLS, GAM is far, far more important in this tiny little universe than cash is. At, at least every time a player gets transferred or loaned or anything like that, they're still getting paid their contract money. So, like, that's a plus, right? Yeah. Now, with a designated player, that $1.1 million says something in there it doesn't apply to designated players because they get to recoup all that um, maximum budget charge and get the cash back. I don't understand this rule. I don't have clarification on it. So it seems it seems like they just want the money that the if because you're spending a lot more on this player. Oh yeah. They want you to be able to recoup that if you if you're selling them on or you're moving them out. Um it, it it makes sense. It keeps the money in the owner's pocket so that they can then go out and fill said DP slot. Otherwise, they're out a bunch more and they may not be able to fill that DP slot. I understand a lot of these rules, but in this particular episode of this, there's a lot of these rules I don't have an understanding of. And that's one of them there. Now, those are for out-of-MLS loans and transfers. For intra-league loans, there's some other rules. And a club can loan a player to another MLS club if it's a field player of 24 years or younger during the league year or a goalkeeper 28 or younger. Only one loan to an MLS club per year must be done during a transfer window. The player must remain with the loan club for an entire year unless it's done during the winter transfer window. There can be an agreement that they can be recalled in the summer during transfer windows. Uh, And the player cannot compete against his former club while on loan. And this includes all competitions. And these loans may have an option to make permanent. Uh, We just saw it with, say, Julian Carranza being loaned from Inter-Miami to Philadelphia. He kicked on. Philadelphia exercised the option. They kept him. He was a loan player, couldn't play against Inter-Miami. It's another mechanism that you might see loot used to get a player um, to fill out his roster for this first season. I don't know if he will or not, but it's an option. Now, I don't see a lot of in intra-league loans happening. 
There's uh, not a lot. I know, I've but seen, they do I see it across across the pond all the time, but I don't see it over here hardly ever. Oh, there's 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 a few. Uh, well, there the, was Julian Caron. The fullback for Atlanta was loaned out to somebody and came back this year. His name escapes me. Julian Carranza is the one that stands out. He was on loan. There's a fair few bit of loans that go on. It's just not a lot. Not like you see in Europe. The rules are a little different. Well, I, uh, I think the biggest thing there is the is the age limit on that. You can't yeah. like say there's yeah. a veteran guy who ends up running, you know, riding the bench. You can loan them out to someone else and leave yeah. that needs that position. But if they're if it's only 24 or 28 and younger, like yeah. why are you going to use that? Because those are probably your younger guys, your homegrown players, the players you really want to hold on to. So what's the point of using that rule then? Well, like Atlanta shipping somebody out, they can't make the roster right now, but they have plans to a contract ending, say, in a year. Oh, let's loan him out to another team that wants him. He gets to play in MLS for a year. Then we get him back, and then we put him on the roster and make him a starter. This stuff does happen in MLS. It's just not highly publicized that much because loans are not a common occurrence in North American sports. You always have to keep in mind that the North American fan for MLS doesn't understand these rules, mostly because they don't apply to baseball, football, uh, basketball, or hockey. But they do apply to soccer fans all over the world, and they have a better understanding. Yeah, you don't loan players in the big four. You just trade them outright. Yeah, and plus you can't do a Chelsea and sign every player on the planet and then loan them out to every team on the planet. You just don't have that kind of money or wherewithal and doesn't make any sense in MLS whatsoever. And that's good on MLS and bad on Chelsea. Uh, there's also another category here. You can loan out players to MLS next pro affiliate. This is what Minnesota United did with Azeel Jackson. And uh, he's an MLS player that was on loan to uh, Minnesota United 2, uh, the Toons. Uh, and then uh, St. Louis City picked him up on trade. All loans from MLS clubs to its affiliates must be free loans. An MLS club can receive roster relief and budget relief for a maximum of one player loan to the MLS next, provided that the player is under the age of 25, the player's salary budget charge is less than or equal to the MLS senior maximum salary, including a loan fees, transfer fees, agents fees, housing, car, etc. Like the housing, car, etc. is ever reported to the league. But never mind that. Uh, so you can't loan out a player making more than $84,000 a year in salary to your uh, to your MLS Next Pro team. Uh, the loan must be a season-long loan. However, a player may be recalled to MLS club in the case of extreme hardship. So that's an exception to all of these rules in many cases. And those don't happen that often. And the player must never have appeared on a game day roster for the MLS club uh, at the beginning of the MLS Next Pro Teams uh, season. So they can't have played in MLS uh, so prior. this isn't a mechanism to send players down and 
I guess like moving forward from this season, I guess it kind of makes sense to send players who need a little bit more development down, like say perhaps Uziel Jackson. What's the purpose of this moving forward? Wouldn't Same you thing. just sign the players to MLS Next Pro then though? No, uh, well that I, that comes into the negotiation with the player themselves. This just this just seems to be like all these like these rules uh, specifically the ones dealing with going back and forth between MLS Next Pro is making it a lot harder for, for teams to actively call guys up that are having a great season in Next Pro and give them a shot on the first team. Um, it's limiting those chances, but also limiting the amount of time that they can send back, send guys down that, you know, aren't having a good year and try to relieve some budget, you know, some, some salary cap there. Um, so I guess it's a trade-off of not being able to call up the young guys to give them a shot while also not being able to, you know, relieve some cap to go out and get someone bigger, I guess. But, uh, but, but it seems like they're really limiting the movement between the, I, for lack of a better term, development team and the first team. And I'm just not quite sure why they want to do that. If they're so big on I, keeping players in the league. I wonder if this falls into the plan to make MLS next pro its own competitive league. Yeah. To try I was to going keep- to say exactly. And, um, we heard that with Charles Alchek when he was talking to Phil Grooms on Flyover Footy and had that interview. He's talking about we're trying to make this their own league as well, and they don't want it to be viewed as simply a farm system. Now, remember, in Major League Baseball, there's limits on how many times you can ship players up and down as well. There's not limits on game time or things like this. It's not we're nowhere near this restrictive. But what they also did not have a salary cap in MLS Next Pro which is a big change for MLS. And I think a lot of these rules are in place to make sure that smart GMs aren't playing that game. Yes, I sure as hell would if they didn't have these rules in place (laughs) if I was an MLS GM. Uh, I would uh, certainly buy uh, young players at a higher salary that I couldn't afford in MLS, ship them down to MLS Next Pro, and uh, put them on a loan. But yeah, the whole point is, that you could put them down. Why you can only do one? I don't know. Uh, why with the loans that they're so limited? I I guess just so because of enforced parity, you don't want a big club, and there are big clubs in MLS that want to do a whole lot more than they're allowed to to keep them in check so you don't end up with what happened to the NASL in the late 70s and especially in the 80s when it fell apart. You want to keep things more equal. Never forget that so many of these rules come from the dissolution of NASL and the harm that that happened when these rules were put into place 25 years ago and haven't really been updated since. That fear, sort of like uh, your grandparents uh, that lived during the Depression and how they lived their entire lives in fear of having to go through that again in the way that they saved every scrap of everything their entire lives. That also applies to a lot of these MLS roster rules. That fear of flaming out like NASL did just permeates all of these rules. Were we calling the MLS roster rules generational trauma now? Uh, uh, effectively, if you live through the fallout of a first team soccer in the United States and you were picking up the pieces just a few years later when you were forced to by FIFA. Yes, yes, I am. And 
After that little soliloquy, or sidebar, what have you, there's one last piece of this. How can you get rid of a player? Well, you are allowed to just buy out their contract. This one is very straightforward, honestly. Yeah, club may buy out one player, including a designated player, who has a guaranteed contract during the offseason and free, us, free up the corresponding salary cap hit. Such a buyout is at the club's expense. So if the owner wants to just splash the cash on them and Get splash the cash on somebody else, so be it. But if this is done during the during the season, there's no salary cap relief. So that guy's got to be a real dog for yeah, you to do that. You got to be in some real dire yeah. straits. And also interesting, you can only buy out one player. I mean, I have a hard time imagining a situation in which you would want to buy out more than one, but the fact that it is strictly limited to one. Well, they just fire the coach if the team's that bad. They, <laughs> yeah. You, you can't really fire all the players. And the, of course, the owner uh, doesn't fire themselves, and they sometimes fire the general manager, but not as often as you think because the owner hired that person. So, <laughs> yeah. The coach is always the one that takes the sack for a team that as the English would say. So that's it. That's all of the uh, of the simple rules that come along with building. Put this on top of the what we talked about last time with the slots and the salary cap. Now this is all the ways that you build them. Oh my. <laughs> I think this one was actually a little bit less painful because I understood even less of it. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 but I, this one was this a lot of these this things one was a little bit more straightforward. It was just there were more questions raised, in my opinion. Yeah, the questions are in the dirty little details that the league office sorts out. And you know, soccer operating uh, officials, sporting directors get to uh, talk to the league office and sort these things out as well. When you get to the dirty little details, and we got a little more into details here. There's so many. I left a lot out. Um, but it's so much more comprehensible than, say, the U-22 initiative, which is the singular most confounding thing in all of these ultimately confounding rules. I still really can't get my head around the the MLS draft eligibility list coming from the clubs and not the players entering themselves. I can't either, but that's what the rules stated. <laughs> like, that is maddening to me. I don't get why you would do that. I went in to find out how they did the super draft. I was very interested. That and the reentry process. And I walked away knowing about maybe 75% of it. But that's really in the details. Really, all that matters is focus on you got the super draft, you got the reentry draft. Focus on who your team picks. Just worry about that. Yeah. Those little details that we talked about, they're there. Gives an example of what goes into roster rules of a league. Uh, but how much do they really matter? For the details in those cases, not that much. The reentry draft was important because I had no idea why there was one, who qualified. Now, now we know. I guess before we wrap up here, I do have one quick question regarding waivers which is i'm assuming it operates pretty much the same way you would expect it to where if you put a player on waivers and a team wants them they basically just pick up their contract 
Yeah, and as so it is. There is a list of which team gets right or first refusal, and it goes on down the list. I don't. Yeah, that's pretty straightforward. And I don't recall was that something that could be traded? Waiver priority? I, I'd imagine so. It seems like you can trade literally everything else. So I feel yes. like it's probably yes, it was. in that was similar the last order. One. The allocation order. Yeah, yeah, it seems like everything is just in reverse uh, reverse table. Yeah. So, which is pretty standard. Yeah. Yeah. Especially cuz this league doesn't have a lottery or anything, so you would just go from worst record to best record. Say uh, yeah. somebody put some on waivers because of this. It could have been something they did the club didn't like. But the other teams are happy to take on a nefarious fellow. Uh cuz they're a good player and they really want him but they're way down the waiver order. Makes sense to spend some cam, go get that player, we'll bring him in. That's one scenario I can think of. I can think of other ones that's just not a good fit, but they scouted him, they really like the player. You know, Lutz has picked players he's really liked personally, so he's picking them up out of, as soon as they come free in Europe, he's just pluck, mm-hmm. pluck. Um, and... That's that's the way that works. So that's why you would trade the money. It, it, you have the option, and it's listed. So I'm sure there's a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions. But a lot of these things won't come up. We tried to really touch upon the ones that will come up. And quite a few of these will come up. And the allocation uh, order and that process, that comes up quite a bit, actually. Though you might not notice it as a casual fan, if you dig in more deeply and you follow things that happen, it might crop up, and it often does. Any other questions for your dulled brains and blunted pencils? No, I don't think I understood enough of it to have a question to ask. <laughs> so this is yeah, class number three, your third credit <laughs> in the dojo All right, that's three credit hours i can graduate that's now. right <laughs> we've got other things to touch upon but really these three the gam tam allocation money and the salary cap then we followed up with the the categories of players and how they impact the salary budget charge or the salary cap and now the ways that you can pick up players which was so much more complex than you would think but a lot of it was legalese but now you know the rules. We've got some other things to come upon, but these were the big three. And this one was, I'd have to say, the least sexy of all of them. Oh, because the other ones were so hot. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, so as hot. if any rule chat is actually sexy. <laughs> so, if you're still with us, and you're not bored, senseless, or have gone to sleep, which I understand <laughs> completely, and feel free to use this podcast as insomnia. Therapy. I'm surprised I didn't fall asleep. I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your resident cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And for our absent snake, Zimmerman, (laughs) thanks for listening. Bye for now.